Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Um, This is a little bit of a different uh, location and context and setting than what we're used to. Um, Obviously, you know, if you look out the window, it is snowing, or at least it has snowed quite a bit, making travel uh, dangerous. And so we thought it best to um, just utilize technology this morning While this is not ideal, and we would so much rather gather in person, uh, thank God for technology. Thank God that we do have this opportunity and this ability um, to still be spiritually fed this morning um, before we go off and enjoy the snow. Um, So this morning, uh, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to press pause on our first John series, as you know. I, starting last Sunday, took over the Sunday school um, hour or 45 minutes, what have you, um, to begin to teach a a study series about the church. We've titled it, The Church According to Scripture. And so what we're going to do today is um, pick up where we left off in that study. So I hope you have a Bible, something to write with, something to write on. Uh, let me encourage you. I know that this is uh, different and it's you're at home and you're probably still in your pajamas, which is fine. Uh, but I encourage you to uh, be engaged. I encourage you to be in your Bible. I encourage you to take notes um, and, and still see what the Lord would say to us this morning through his word. Uh, so go ahead and grab your Bible. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read what we read last week. Uh, to refresh our memory of where we are and where we were. It's Ephesians chapter 5. And keep your Bible handy. We're going to uh, be bouncing back and forth quite a bit. We've got a lot of ground to cover this morning. A lot of really good ground to cover this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. Um, I can't see you, so I hope that you're there. I hope you have uh, landed in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read just a couple of verses here. It's Ephesians 5, starting in verse 25. This is the word of God. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the beautiful snow this morning. We thank you. We know that this was an act of providence, Lord, so we don't want to complain. Uh, We want to look at it and admire uh, the beauty of your creation and be reminded 
that your word says that though our sins be red as scarlet, you will wash them white as snow. So we want to be reminded of the work and salvation this morning as we enjoy the snow from home. And Lord, I just pray that you bless this time with whoever is watching, whoever is tuning in right now. Lord, that you would speak to us through your word. And that we would see what it is that you would have us to do and how we would act, how you would have us act, how you would have us plan all the things regarding your church. Help us to see and to understand and to joyfully apply these things to our lives individually and our lives corporately. And we pray for this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. And this is really serving as our outline uh, for today. The word church uh, throughout Scripture is, uh, namely in the New Testament, is used in a couple of different ways. And so what we're going to spend our time doing today is examining the three different ways, uh, the three primary ways that the church is referred to in Scripture and we're going to look at a few different texts, and we're going to see what the implications are then of how we are to do and have church. So um, the, the message title today is, What or Who is the Church? What or Who is the Church? And this series is The Church According to Scripture. Ephesians 5.25 here the reason why we started here is to learn of the importance that Scripture places on the church. Here we see Christ loving the church so much that he gives himself up for the church. And this is an example of marriage, of how the husband is to love and serve his wife, is that he is to give himself up for her. So, if Christ is giving himself up for the church, we see exactly how important and how valuable the church is. But the question is asked then, what or who is the church? Who is Christ giving his life up for? We understand that the word church is there, but what all does that entail? Who all does that include? Because we see here that he has something specific in mind, doesn't he? He gave himself up for the church out of love so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. So this is different time periods that we're looking at. So let's just dive into it. Our three major headings today are we're going to look at the church universal, the church local, and then the church eschatological. Uh, we'll explain what that means when we get there. But we're going to start off here with the church universal. What is the church? In the Greek, our word here as we looked at it last week is ekklesia. And it's derived from two words that mean uh, it's ek, ek, which is out from, and then kaleo, which is called. And ekklesia means gathering or assembly. What we learn from just the word that's written in the Greek 
is we get the sense that it is the gathering or assembling of the called out ones, those who have been called out. So called out from where? Called out to where? Gathering where? Assembling how? There's all these questions that arise from just understanding what the word means. You remember from Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, you can write that down if you don't already have that. Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus is asking the disciples, who do they say I am? And in that conversation, in that interaction, Jesus says, I will build my church. And he's saying that he's going to build his church on the solid rock of the truth, the truth of Jesus, the truth about who he is, the truth about what he's done, and in that sense, what he was going to do, that Jesus is going to build his church. So we learned something very important from those two things, from, from understanding what church means, and then that passage in Matthew 16, 18, we learned that it's the church that belongs to Christ, it's his, it's his possession, and it is a gathering of called out ones that then belong to Christ. They are his, his possession. Keep that word in mind, his possession. The church is the possession of Jesus Christ built on the truth about who he is and what he has done. Because remember, Ephesians chapter 5 says that he gave himself up for his church. That is what he has done. The church is built upon this foundation. The, uh, so, the church universal is the first more, most general sense in which we speak of the gathering or assembling of called out ones. It's what we call the church universal or the invisible church or the church at large. There's different ways of saying it, but it all essentially means the same thing. For our purposes, we're saying the church universal or the church at large. Get your pad and pen and write these down. Galatians 1.13 For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God, violently and tried to destroy it. So there Paul is using the word church, not to refer to a specific building as we think of it, but to say the church of God, people everywhere. He was persecuting many different Christians and they all made up the church of God. Ephesians 1, 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. This is speaking of Jesus, that Jesus was put, uh, Jesus had all things put under his feet and was given as head over the church. Now, certainly, Jesus is the head of New Life Baptist Church, but when this was written, when Paul was writing this to the church of, at Ephesus, he was not thinking specifically of 818 Main Street, was he? He was thinking of a church at large, a bigger picture of the church. That was Ephesians 1.22. Ephesians 
3.21, Ephesians 3.21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To which we would all agree and say, Amen. Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And then, of course, we read that Christ gave himself up for the church. So this is the church universal. It is all of those across time and space who have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. This is our first sub-point for the church universal, is that we are purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Ephesians 1, 7. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Do you see that? In Him, we have redemption through His blood, purchased by the blood of Christ. It is those who have been called out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Remember, called out ones. We were called out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of light. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, remember my church, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That was 1 Peter 2.9. You hear that? So that you can proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the domain of darkness and into his marvelous light, the gathering of the called out ones. This is the church universal, made up of those who have been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, purchased by the blood of the Lamb. This is an important distinction for us to make and understand as we move to look at the church local in a bit, because it will give us the foundation necessary to correctly understand it. The church universal is not made up of those who go to church. Rather, the church universal is made up of those who have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. So how do we know who has been purchased by the blood of the Lamb? It's those who are regenerate. This is our second sub-point. Those who have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb are regenerate. It's our second subheading. Titus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession 
who are zealous for good works. Do you see how the Bible just all over the place is using this same terminology, his own possession, he redeemed us, we were purchased, we were called out, all over the place. The grace of God here has appeared, bringing salvation and training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and holy lives when? In the present age, here and now, today, this moment, not eventually, not later, not when we are in heaven, but to do that now. That's what the grace of God appeared for. Down to verse 14 here, he said he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us, cleanse us, and regenerate us, giving us the new heart and renewing the right spirit as promised in Ezekiel. Back to Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, purchased by the blood of the Lamb, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This is the kind of person who makes up the church universal. The believers across time and space who have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb, regenerated. And he did this that we might be a people for his own possession. Notice, not just that we might go to heaven, not that we would live a nice life, but that we would be a people for his own possession that belong to him, holy and without blemish. Further, we know that the Lord doesn't just save us and then set us aside where we're to tread water until he returns. He saves us from slavery to sin and for good works. Thus, our third sub-point under the church universal is that we are purchased by the blood of the Lamb, we are regenerate, and we are on mission. Back to Titus 2.14. Notice the reason he gave himself uh, for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Not just who occasionally do the right thing, who, who kind of are interested in serving the Lord. People who are zealous for good works. We are purchased, we are created anew, that we might get to work for the Lord. But working on what? Or for what? Well, you know the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love what it says there at the beginning. Some worshipped, but some doubted. Undoubtedly, it is exactly the same today. Some worship and some doubt. The mission of the church universal, the mission that the church universal is to be on, the good works the church universal is saved for, the good works we are to be zealous for, they all stem from fulfilling the great commission. Going and making disciples, baptizing them, and then teaching them to be Christians. Don't we overcomplicate it? That's what it's about. Going and pro- proclaiming the gospel, baptizing the people who have been saved and are being saved, and then teaching them how to live a life now that they're saved. Proclaiming Christ, baptizing into Christ, and teaching to live in obedience to Christ. Christ, 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 Christ. Are you noticing a pattern? A people for His own possession. That's the church universal, purchased by the blood of the Lamb, regenerate and on mission. Moving to the church local. Our second major heading are the church local. The Bible speaks of the church universal, and then it also speaks of the church local. So where the church universal is all believers, all those who have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb and are regenerate and are on mission for Christ across time and space, back in history, the early church, what we call the early church, the people right now in China, we all constitute the church universal. Well, the church local is the local gathering of believers. Remember, ecclesia means the gathering. And it's made up of two words that mean called out. Where the church universal is made up of those who have been called out of the domain of darkness and gathered into the kingdom of light. The church local is the local gathering together of those who have been called out of the sinfulness of the culture. So you're called out of the culture and gathered together as one body in a local place. This is what sometimes we meet at a specific address, but I want you to notice that it is a gathering. This is why online church is far from ideal and is really not even a true statement, because we can't gather online. We can view and we can even participate, and granted, in, in, in instances like today when we need to utilize technology, thank God for it, but we could never have a church online that only does online because the church, by virtue, by nature of, its, of what it is, of the word itself, it is a local gathering together of those who have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Here's some examples of it being used this way. 1 Corinthians 1, 2. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with 
all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Do you see how he, he uses the church universal and the church local um, uh, terminology in this verse? He says to the church, to the ecclesia that is in Corinth. So this is a particular location that this church is at, that this ecclesia is at. It is located in a particular location. So it is the church local. And they are those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place, the church universal. So do you see the church local is made up of the church universal? That is an extremely important um, thing to catch there. We're going we're gonna to break that down in just a second. But this is written to specific believers and then by extension all believers because he says to all those. Acts 11.22 Acts 11.22 The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. The church in Jerusalem. Notice again, it's in a location. And then that group of people made the decision to send Barnabas to Antioch. It's a local gathering. Acts 15.22 Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Do you see again the word ecclesia? It's being used to refer to a specific group of people. He's not talking about all of the church all throughout time and space here, is he? Because you and I didn't have part in that conversation. Did we? I, I didn't. I don't even know who Barnabas is. I've never met this man. We know who he is from scripture, but you understand what I'm saying. We've never met this man. So there's no way we could say, yeah, that seems like a good idea. Let's send him to Antioch. So it's a local gathering. It is a specific people. It is a local body commissioning men to be sent out. Now, there are many more examples, but I think you get the idea that the church local is a specific people. But the church local does not differ much from the church universal aside from being a local, more specific context. But you understand that the church local must be made up of those who are in the church universal. What does that mean? Those who are in the church local are those who are purchased by the blood of the Lamb. You'll be able to see where I'm going with this. So our first sub-point, Acts 20, 28 Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. He's speaking to specific elders. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. You see, he's speaking to a specific set of elders that are in a specific location and he is saying to take care of those who have been purchased by the blood. Why am I making this distinction? Why are we laboring this point? Because we live in a day and age where we think anybody who goes to a 
place that calls itself church is a part of the church. But that is a concept that is foreign to scripture. Those who truly make up the membership of the local church must be a part of the universal church. Do you see what Paul is saying here? To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Remember, Jesus gave himself up for the church, that we would be a people for his own possession. He is telling specific people to pay careful attention to a specific flock. And this specific flock was purchased by the blood of the lamb. We have to make this distinction because we don't want to invite people to be a part of the local body who is not a part of the body of Christ. Do you see this? Second sub point is just like the first must be regenerate. The church local is made up of those who are purchased by the blood of the lamb and are regenerate. I told you earlier that this was an important distinction to make because the church local must be made up of the church universal. So Acts 2 47 and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Understand that we don't know how to read people's hearts. I can't see your heart. I don't know that we will inevitably make people a member of the church who are not regenerate because we're not perfect and we don't see people's hearts. Now, while this does not give us an excuse to just open the doors to everyone and allow whoever would like to join, join, it does help us to understand why it is so important that we don't want to engage in membership drives because that can draw in all kinds of people who would say, I love the music, or I love the lighting, or I love these programs, or I love this, that, and the other, who don't come because they love Jesus. And that's why Acts 2.47 is so important, because it was the Lord who added to their number, not those who were interested in becoming a member of a church, not those who lived nearby, but those who were being saved. Acts 2.47. The Lord adds to his church universal by saving people, and he adds to the church local those he is saving. This is what we want to happen. The church local must be made up of these kinds of people, or else the third sub-point will be nearly impossible. I only say nearly because God has a funny way of using all things for his glory. But as you could guess, the third sub-point of the church local is that we're to be on mission. The church local is to be made up of those purchased by the blood of the Lamb, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, who now are working together in unity to fulfill the Great Commission. I said last week that every church's mission is the Great Commission. This is true because if the church local is to be made up of the church universal, well, the church universal has been charged with fulfilling the Great Commission. Therefore, the church local is a place where we gather, 
where those who have been purchased by the blood of the lamb and are regenerate gather together to say, hey, how do we fulfill this? How do we fulfill this great commission here in our local context? Everything then from the budget to the leadership structures to the Lord's Day service, everything. Our mission is to fulfill the great commission. Thus, we are to proclaim Christ, be a part of gospel proclamation at large. We are to baptize new believers and then disciple them. Teach them how to be a Christian. We teach and preach that some might be saved. And then we teach those who are being saved how to live now that they're saved. Understand, to not be intentional about doing this as the church local is to go against the entire reason why we exist. Remember, Christ gave himself up for a people. He redeemed a people for his own possession who would be zealous for good works, not begrudgingly serving, not begrudgingly giving of their time, money, and effort, but who would be zealous. You know what that means? Fired up, passionate about good works. Those good works are on the road to fulfilling the Great Commission. Ephesians 2.10, we read Um, earlier no we didn't read it earlier but it says that we have been created anew in christ jesus that we are his workmanship created anew in christ jesus for good works that he prepared for us long ago for good works we are reborn that we may get to work for the kingdom for christ now how do we do this how do we fulfill this in the local context Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. You're very familiar with it by this point. Speaking of the local church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You understand, this is what we desire we don't want to add people to the church who just want to come here and hang out we want the lord to add to our number those who are being saved we take them in baptize them and teach them how to live this new life then this all culminates in the church eschatological it's probably the might be the first time you've ever heard that word it's a mouthful but the church eschatological what does that mean it means eschatology is the study of end times so what we're saying is the church now in glory the church on the final day the church now in heaven this is the final purest intended form of the church remember back in acts in ephesians chapter 5 where it said that jesus gave himself up so that he could purify us and present us to himself 
that we would be holy and blemish, or without blemish. This is the church eschatological. Now off in the last day after the apocalypse, after the end of the world, after the end of times, however it helps you think about it in your brain. But it's those who have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb who were regenerated and who lived a life on mission for Christ. We will be called out on the final day of judgment and gathered together in the presence of Christ forever and ever. Revelation 12, 11. Revelation 12, 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Revelation 19, 6 through 9. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the church eschatological, now in glory, presented to Christ in splendor, clothed in fine linen. Verse 8 spoke of this fine linen, that it is the righteous deeds of the saints. You know what that means? It's the good works that we're to be zealous for. The mission we are to be on as the church during this lifetime. All of the good works we do unto the glory of God will result in us being clothed in fine linen, bright and pure, in the presence of Jesus Christ. This is what it's all for. The church universal has been purchased by the blood of the Lamb, regenerated, gathered together in local assemblies where they can carry out the mission of Christ and spend their life here preparing for the next life. Thus, all that we do here is to prepare us for that moment when we are presented as the bride of Christ to Christ himself, and we will dwell with him forever and ever. Believer, I hope that you see now how important the church local is. How important Every little thing that we do is because it is all going to culminate in one day standing before Jesus. That's why there's no small decisions that we make, whether it's to close on a Sunday morning when there's a bunch of snow on the ground. That's not an easy decision to make because we have a mission down here, don't we? We have something we are to be doing. And by the grace of God, we will learn and we will grow and we will apply ourselves joyfully to what Christ is calling us to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for sending Christ 
to purchase us by his blood. Thank you for regenerating us and sending us on mission to work for your glory, to tell the world of grace upon grace upon grace. Lord, I pray that you forgive us for all the times that we make church something less than it really is. Help us to see how valuable and how important every single thing that we do in the church local is. Help us to exercise discernment to ensure that we're adding to the church local those who are a part of the church universal. Help us to do this all for your glory with joy in our hearts. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, grace, peace, and mercy to you all. Enjoy the snow.